0: I, I think of all the different reasons or, 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 or the whys, I, I would uh, be different than maybe the average construction site, and I, and I think it's only because of Jesus. And In Ephesians 5.4, the Apostle Paul says, it's just so simple, it's just this little, it says, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes are not for the followers of Jesus. And he's telling the, the, the Ephesian church, He's telling that when you're, when you're a follower of Jesus, when, when, when you are uh, you know, living with, with, uh, in partnership with the Spirit of God and Jesus is a part of your life, that one of the things that will change in your life is your words. And it's why Matthew 15, 18, it's, Jesus is, is saying in this verse, it's why it says, Jesus says, the words that you speak come from the heart. He's actually talking about all the things that can defile us. And he says, you know what? The heart is kind of what defiles us. And the words that come out of us, they're a reflection of what's in our heart. What we say and how we say them uh, are an indicator of what God has done on the inside. And the reason following Jesus, the reason the Apostle Paul says, like, these things are not not for followers is because... um, when Jesus goes about and he changes our heart and he begins to transform our heart, that becomes mirrored back to the world through our words. And our hearts change and our words change. And this is so much more than avoiding vulgar and crass language. I, I, I don't have a, a talk about stop swearing, okay? Because we still want you in the church uh, next week. Um, I... I, I I want to talk about the words that are life-giving words and how we say what we say and how it mirrors back the love and the presence and the grace and the strength and the character of who Jesus is. Because when Jesus changes us and he fills us up and we're, 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 we're filled up with him, uh, we have this, with, with, what scripture calls, it's like the wellspring. And it's, it's like the things that Jesus does on the inside of us, they, they kind of, they bubble up. And out they come. And one of the primary ways that the wellspring of the Holy Spirit, that the, the newness of Jesus comes up and out of us, is in our words. And they are the wellspring of the Holy Spirit's work in us. So I'm going to read this uh, passage of Scripture in James. James chapter 3, it's a well-known passage of Scripture. It says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds are strong. And in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. And surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? You can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. And so this passage of Scripture, which is, is written to the church, is written to the early church on what it means to take your faith in Jesus and package it together as a community and live it out, this talks about how powerful words can be. And really, it's talking about how words can be powerful, they can, they can be destructive, or they can be leveraged for Good. Uh, We know that words can be destructive and hurtful. And some of you have experienced that. We've all experienced the pain or the sting of words that have been said to us or about us that we felt were unfair and unjust and uncalled for. And those things sting. And some of us probably are walking with a little bit of a limp even this day, even this week, because of words that were recently said to us or about us. And we know that they have power to tear down, power to destroy. And words can also be harnessed and leveraged for the kingdom. And the more our words line up with the character and personhood of Jesus, the more we have a platform to share the gospel. You see, when there is a disconnect between the Jesus that we believe in and the 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 words and how we say what we say and how we choose to talk and how it comes out of us, when there's a disconnect between there, we lose the platform to be able to share the gospel and live the gospel to the world around us. And there's a spiritual paradox for us in the church, and that's that leveraging our words for the kingdom of God is both incredibly simple and incredibly difficult at the same time. In the message, James 3, five ten, 10, which is another modern translation of the scripture, and we don't often teach from it, but it's interesting to look at how the words have been put together from some of the common passages of scripture. This is the way it reads. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. And the tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women that he made in his image. It's a kind of a really great wording. And uh, I think, again, it really emphasizes the power Of words and the potential of words to be leveraged for good for the kingdom of God or for harm and getting control of our words takes intentional discipline but when we do it it opens the door for us to partner with the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to work and one of the ways that we can be the church in our culture we can be the church we can be the the kind of the hands and feet of Jesus we can be the presence of Jesus in our world around us is through our words And when there's a disconnect there and when those things don't line up, uh, we do lose that platform. And so how can we intentionally use our words for good? Well, the first, I think, is to speak gratitude. And I won't say too much about this because next week with Thanksgiving, we're going to do our whole morning on the power of gratitude and focus on communion and uh, all those things and what that means. But I'll just say that expressing thankfulness to others is a life-giving, both to ourselves and to those that we build up. To recognize someone's sacrifice and contribution and hard work, to appreciate not only what they do, but who they are, that is a powerful way to speak the value and worth that Jesus has over their life. And uh, I was thinking about that. You know, it's, it's probably, uh, there's, there's no way to, to take a score, but if we could, uh, you know, think about doing a test this week or a, or a trial on something to find one person every day if you could find one person every day and just speak the smallest word of gratitude into their life. And I, I could guarantee that not only would you make a tremendous difference in their lives, but you would make a difference in your life. Somehow it just, it just it comes back. It, it's, it's like it opens the, the doorway for the Holy Spirit to work and to flow through you. And another one is to speak honesty in love. One of the things that we've done this fall is make a concerted effort to communicate who our different ministry leaders are. And we have all these different things that are going on in the, in the church. And thought, you know what, rather than having everything come through us and at the office, and let's just, you know what, if, if you're interested in this group or this, this ministry or this gathering, here's a, a leader, a volunteer, a, a contact person in the church. Here's an email address for them. You just connect with them and, and, and go for it. And um, I blew it in uh, a few weeks ago in the, in the rush of the fall kickoff season. We had some deadlines for printing and, and some online publishing and some things we were getting ready for, for all of the fall launch. And to speed things up, I copied and pasted uh, some things from some of the previous emails and just kind of put them in so I could, I could get them on. I was actually working here late one night after midnight, and I was trying to get things done and uh, trying to speed up that work. And, uh, and so I did that for one of our, our ministries. And the problem is that uh, that... That previous newsletter that went out, we didn't list all the contact info for, for that ministry. It was just explaining what it was and, and when it was happening. And, uh, and so I, I, I sent that out. And um, the issue is that uh, a, a few days after I sent that out, this ministry leader came up to me on a Sunday morning and kind of pulled me aside and says, do you, do you have a, a, a problem with, with my character? Is there a concern about me leading the, this ministry and being involved with this. And I said, oh, I was so stunned. I said, no, of course not. Why, why would you think that? And she said, well, uh, you listed every single person and gave an email and a contact for every single person out of like 20 ministries except the one that I'm, I'm leading. And I just, oh, you know, and I, I didn't even know. And she, you know, and, and and I had to explain to her. No, I I told, I believe in you. You're an amazing leader. It, I, it was just a it was just a, a a dumb mistake. I'm sorry. You're totally. I would if I had any issue, I would come and talk to you. I would never do that. And 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 what it did is it opened the door for an honest conversation. And um, I apologized for the mistake. And, and we we talked frankly with one another. And we had a good conversation. And um, and you know, she handled the situation like a champ. She handled the situation the way we're supposed to handle those situations. Where instead of letting it build up, instead of assuming, instead of letting that thing grow and trying to understand why and, 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 and all that, she did the right thing. She sought me out right away. And she very politely and very directly and maturely just ask me the question. And because she did that, we were able to have this honest conversation. We sorted it all out. And um, do you know how so often that is played out in our lives and that's played out in the church? Is it's that internal conversation that builds up over days. It goes something like, "Why, why did he leave me out? Why doesn't he like me? What did I do? I've given so much to this church and that's the respect I get? Who does he think he is judging me? Why would I keep serving in a role I'm not appreciated for? And it's not like I don't have other things I could be doing. They have lots of others who can do it. I don't need this disrespect in my life. He can find his own leader. I'm done. In fact, I'm gonna quit the church and I'm gonna tell everybody why. And, and it's like, wow, that escalated quickly. And how many times... Do our minds race down that rabbit hole without knowing the whole story, without knowing, without giving opportunity? Do you know that so many times we pick up an offense, the other person doesn't even know that they offended us? And it burns us even more to see them living their life like nothing's going on and nothing's wrong. And all the time we're carrying around this, this, this offense. And it's just more salt in our wound and you know, we get a little rock in our shoe. And instead of stopping and taking our shoe off and emptying that rock out, we just think it's no big deal and we just keep walking. And we keep walking and going. And that rock gets bigger and bigger. And it rubs more and more. And it creates a sore spot, it creates a wound. And before we know it, the only thing we can think about is how much our foot hurts and how we can't walk anymore. And it festers, and, 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 it, and it gets more sore, and, it gets, and it's the only thing that we can think about. And instead of dwelling on it and letting it grow, this ministry leader did the mature and the, the courageous thing. It was, it, was, there was, it was a courageous thing. It was a hard thing. But just to seek out the truth, just to have an honest conversation and say, hey, I'm just wondering, like just... Help me understand here. How did, how did this happen? Or, or, or was there something that, that I did? Was there, and it opened the door. And you know what it did? It took that rock out of the shoe. It allowed us, not only did it, did it solve that issue, but it protected our relationship from fracturing, from, from that situation growing worse. And it also strengthened our relationship Because now we've had this honest... Now I know if there's a miscommunication, I know what this leader is going to do. And you know, the the, the very character that she modeled to me, she's very likely modeling that and and, and like that with other people in her world. And that's the kind of person that we want to have involved in leadership. And that's a great thing. And so I learned a lot about her. I learned a lot about, about things in that process. And so often, an honest conversation opens the door to discovering that the offense is rooted in a misunderstanding and that no malice was intended. And do you know this, that even when, even when the person is guilty of, 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 of hurting us and harming us and wronging us and did act not right and did wound us? And there was just cause for us to kind of feel that offense and feel that. Even when that's the case, do you know that a, a frank and honest conversation, what it does is it at least opens the door for forgiveness and reconciliation to take place. At least it, it, it creates a, a, a place where that could happen. And that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. Jesus who reconciled himself to the world. And There's a, there's a ministry of reconciliation. Now, we can't always make those things happen. We can't always correct everything. And sometimes we have an open conversation and we we talk honestly to somebody in love and it just doesn't work out the way that it's supposed to. It doesn't go the way we hope. But this is why Romans uh, 12, 18 says, as much as it depends on you, you do what you can to live at peace with one another. You do what you can do. You can open the door. You can have an honest conversation. You can at least approach an honest conversation. Because that is the only way that reconciliation can take place. That's the only way that we can get past it. It's the only way we get the rock out of the shoe. And so before you talk to someone, and before you come to them in in honesty and in love, um, ask yourself is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Is this something that I should come and talk to them about? And, and, and before you do it, can I encourage you to cover it in prayer so that the enemy doesn't come and work through that situation and cause more of a wedge and cause more tension, but to cover it in prayer before you talk to somebody. Okay, um, don't, don't go home and make a whip out of cords and go to the person's house and flip over the tables and start, you know, uh, don't, don't react not react. With that kind of a reaction. And Jesus, when he, when he did that, there's a whole different context in that. That wasn't uh, describing or giving license for us to just kind of let emotion erupt out of us. There's a whole different context for that story. And the best way to approach honesty and approach that kind of a, a conversation with somebody is to cover it in prayer and to do it without the fuel and the anxiety and, the, and, all, and just to kind of approach it maturely. And so, honest conversations put out little grass fires before they erupt into giant forest fires. Uh, I'm going to get the band to come, and we're going to get ready to close, and this is my last, uh, my last little point. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the other way we can leverage our words is to speak encouragement. To speak encouragement. And um, there's so much life contained in encouraging words. We all need more encouragement. And encouragement is so easy to give. There is spiritual life in sending an intentional email or a text message, or a direct message on some social media account, or kind of connecting, there, there's spiritual life in that. And you know, um, that's, that's something that technology allows us to do. You could even go old school, and this, is, this works too, where you actually talk to somebody on the phone, or in person. That, that actually works really well. Write them a note, or a card, Do you know that the Spirit of God lives in words of encouragement? Just think about that. The Spirit of God lives in words of encouragement. And when we share those things with someone else in our life, the presence of God can just show up. And we can recognize and identify things and and giftings and kind of call things out in them. We can encourage them to keep going and to, and to not give in. One of the best things we do in our team meeting, we have a, a team meeting once every couple weeks with some of our, our leaders who are available during the day. We don't have a lot of staff members. We are mostly volunteers, and a lot of them work, and they're, they're unable to get here. But for those that can, every couple of weeks we get together and have a, a little team meeting. And at the beginning of each meeting, after we've prayed and, and had a little devotion time together, the first thing we do is, is care items, first thing on the agenda and we just figure out who's in the church that we could send an encouraging note to. Who do we know needs some care? Who's sick? Who's, who's a leader that we should appreciate? Who's a volunteer that we want to identify? And um, it's usually just one or two people. And uh, we will take a moment. We'll all pull out our, our, our cell phones and we'll type a little text. And we wait, count to three, and everybody's written it out. And, uh, and then we hit send because that person is in their day and in their week and their week often, like all of us is pretty crazy and busy and there's a lot of stress and a lot of things going on and at some point on any given week within our community, somebody's phone all of us start, starts blowing up and they open it up and there's all these messages hey, I appreciate you hey, I'm thinking about you we're praying for you just so want you to know we care Thank you for what you do, how you contribute to our community. And we have never not heard that it makes a tremendous impact in somebody's life. It always is. Received. In fact, you know how often we hear back from somebody and they say, Oh, you wouldn't believe what I've been going through. I did it on Friday with someone in our community. I just was thinking, you know what? I, I gotta send that person a quick text message. It was just like two lines. How are you doing? Didn't see any church last week. Thinking about you, care about you. Just checking in, send. And you hear back like, ugh, I'm, in the, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it. I like it, thank you. And what it does is it lets them know that they're not forgotten and that the Holy Spirit sees that point of struggle, that point of pain, that point of difficulty in their life. And that they're a part of something bigger. How much stronger would our lives be, would our community be, would our, our churches be if we could learn to harness our words and leverage our words for the kingdom and become encouragers and give encouragement? Uh, About a month ago, one of our young married couples named Ben and Kelsey moved to Vancouver for Kelsey to begin a bone marrow transplant for her leukemia. And uh, for the last year and a half or so, the doctors have kind of tried every course of treatment that they could, and nothing has worked. And she's just gotten bad report after bad report. And medically speaking... Medically speaking, this is kind of the last uh, the last attempt for her. And so she's been down in Vancouver since the beginning of September. And she's been taking chemo so they could kind of push everything down. And then she's gone through a, a bone marrow transplant with her her sister as a donor. And it's a serious thing. And they're holding on to faith in God every step of the way. And we were able to send them a, a card and a gift and a, a little box and some money on behalf of the church. And we've, there's been people from the church who've been down there and visited with them. And Ben's down there because uh, he's with her every day. Had to quit his job. And I thought, wouldn't it be good for our whole church to text bomb them and to send them a little note? And so, if you have your phone with you, would you do it? Would you take it out? Don't open Facebook or Instagram. Close that app. Open up your messages. There's a couple of phone numbers up there. You can type in those phone numbers. If you don't have your phone, you can write it down, you can send it later. Don't, don't send it yet. We're going to do it all together. And you know, you think you don't even know them. That's okay. You can say, hi, my name's Bob. You don't know me, but I'm part of the house. And I just wanted you to know that we care. We're praying for you to hang in there. 31 words that have life. Hi Ben, our whole church is praying for you. We think of you and Kelsey often. We care. 18 words of life. Take a minute and just let the Holy Spirit talk to you and just just type something out to them. don't you stand we're going to get ready to close this morning invite you to stand with us in this moment part of what it means to be the church is to celebrate with those who celebrate rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn suffer with those who suffer just to walk with people and the things that life brings them we rejoice when babies are born and weddings happen and engagements happen and retirements happen and we, we mourn when people don't always get the, the best news, when they lose someone. It's what it means to be the church. It's what it means to live in community. It's what it means to encourage one another. And we have the ability to leverage our words for good and share them and speak them over other people and share a little bit of God's love and the Holy Spirit in the life of someone else. And so, Jesus, we pray this morning for Ben and Kelsey. We ask, Lord, in faith, we just pray for a complete healing in Kelsey's body and in her bloodstream. We pray that the white blood cell count will climb that the bone marrow transplant will take effect. We pray, Lord, that you would heal her body. Pray that you would strengthen them. In a time where there's no easy answers, Lord, we pray that you would give them resolve and courage and you would help them to hold on to you. And in that hospital room now, Father, we just invite your presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, for the strengthening, warm presence of the Holy Spirit to surround them. We pray that these words would encourage hearts And you'd help us to remember this week that this is only one small way. There are so many opportunities, Jesus, for us to use our words for the kingdom of God, to open the door for the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Thank you for this church and this community. Lord, we pray that you would encourage and strengthen Ben and Kelsey. Amen. One, two.